Father, it is good to be in your house today. I pray that you'd bless the effort to preach your word. God, I pray that you'd help us to listen to the word today and that you'd help us to apply it to our lives where it would be needed. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to not think how someone else needs this or how they need to apply it, but, God, that we would make this personal for ourselves. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I want to begin with a thought that I think all of us would agree with, that all of us would acknowledge in our personal lives, and that would be this, that whether we mean to or not, we tend to have certain expectations of people and or institutions. Would you agree with that? Sometimes we may even tell ourselves, okay, I'm not going to have any expectations of at all. I'm not, I'm not going to expect anything, and yet we still do. We as people tend to have expectations of people and or institutions. And let me explain what I mean by that. When it comes to education, we expect schools to do certain things, do we not? Like educate. We expect schools to teach kids how to read, how to write, how to do math, to have some kind of an awareness of history and science and, and different things that might be helpful in their future. We know that not every child will need every bit of it for the road that their life may take. But at the end of the day, every one of us, we expect a school to educate. We expect the medical profession to help people get well. Whether it be a doctor, whether it be in an emergency room, whether it be a hospital, whatever it may be, a caregiver for the elderly, whatever it is, when we talk about health care, we expect them to give medical attention and ultimately to help people get well and to be restored back to a good way of life. We could say it like this. When dealing with charities, we expect them, we just assume of them that they are going to take donations given to them and handle those donations properly. The list could go on and on, you understand, don't you? But when it comes to people or institutions, whatever it may be, we have certain expectations in our minds, things that we assume will or will not be done. As that is so, we know this to be true. When expectations are not met, we tend to be disappointed or upset. If you feel as though your child is not getting a good education, it bothers you, doesn't it? If it doesn't bother you, there's something wrong with you because you should expect a child to be educated at school. And if they're not getting educated, it should bother you. So I would trust that we would be normal individuals here and say, okay, if I send my child to school and they come home at the end of the process as ignorant as I sent them, I'm disappointed in that. If you go to a place seeking medical help, and they don't do anything for you, you leave disappointed and you leave frustrated. If you find out you've contributed to a charity only to discover that most of the contributions went to make the CEOs rich and to entertain other people, you say to yourself, that's not why I gave you that money and I'm disappointed in how you've handled it. And so here's what happens sometimes. 
when we're disappointed in the people or the institutions that we have expectations of, it does become easy, does it not, to become critical of them? Because that's not how we would do it. That's not how I would handle it. I would certainly do things much different if I was in that position. If we're honest, every one of us would have to admit there have been times we have been disappointed because certain people or things did not meet our expectations, and because of our disappointments, it became very easy for us to become critical and negative toward the thing that did not meet our expectations. Now this morning I want us to keep that thought in mind and I want us to consider a couple of passages before we get to Ecclesiastes, okay? We'll get to Ecclesiastes in a couple of moments, but I want us to consider a couple of passages that most of you are familiar with. I know that they have their own context, I know that they have their own setting in which they were given and how they need to be applied, but the principle is true no matter what, okay? And so I want us to consider a couple of verses this morning. You can turn to them if you like, you don't need to. But the first one is this, Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7. Here is Paul writing to believers in the region of Galatia, and he said this to them, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Be not deceived. What does that mean? It means this, don't allow yourself to be tricked, don't allow yourself to be fooled, don't allow yourself to... Think something that is not true. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. God is not going to be the, the punchline in this. God is not going to be one who is not taken serious in this. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever, whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Whatever seeds you plant, that will be the fruit one day. Whatever seeds you plant, that is going to be the flower one day. And you and I know this, that's either a good thing or a negative thing, a positive or a negative, based on what we decide to sow. We can sow something good, we can sow something positive, or we can sow something bad and something negative. But we got to remember what the Scripture says. We must remember this, that whatever we sow in time, that is exactly what we are going to reap. That's what Paul said. Someone could say something like this, well, that that's what Paul said, and Paul was just a man like you and I. Okay, so let's consider the words of Christ. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 2, Christ said this, For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. What does that mean? What well, means whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. What it means is this, how you choose to judge someone, that will be the same criteria by which you are judged. 
how you decide to make judgments on people and what they're doing and how they live, understand, please, that is the exact same way in which you will be judged. It's going to come around what has gone around. The world, and we've talked about this before, the world understands this principle. They don't call it sowing and reaping. They call it karma. But, but everyone understands that what we do at some point in the future is going to come back our way. The Scripture says, Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And Christ Himself said, For what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. So, here is the New Testament declaring, Hey, how you decide to treat people and how you decide to interact with people, and just as important, your spirit and your attitude in the process... That's how it'll come back on you at some point in the future. Now again, that can be positive or negative, but that's up to us. Now the Scripture, and I, I know that we know this, I just want to be clear on this, the Scripture never said don't judge. The Scripture never said don't make any kind of a declaration, don't make any kind of a verdict. That's not at all what was said. But the Scripture just reminded the readers, you might want to be careful, you might want to be cautious in how you approach this because what you demand of others, that is what will be demanded of you. And how you've treated others, that's how people will treat you. It's just the way it works. Now in Ecclesiastes, I want us to look in chapter 3, verse number 16. Here is Solomon, and he changes the direction of his thoughts in verse number 16. And he says, And moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment, and wickedness was there, and the place of righteousness, that iniquity was there. So you notice in verse number 16 that he speaks of the place of judgment and the place of righteousness. This may not seem to be so, but scholars agree and a study of the words prove this to be true. That whenever you read of the place of judgment and you read of the place of righteousness, what Solomon is referencing and what Solomon is talking about was the legal system of their day or what we would call the court system of their day. A place of judgment and a place of righteousness. Now this morning I want us to think about the legal system and I want us to think about the court system and what we expect of it. What we expect of the legal system and what we expect of the court system is this, is that for there to be a sense of honesty and integrity amongst those who are a part of the system. That is what we would expect of them, is it not? We would expect of judges to be honest and to have integrity. We would expect those who have influence in the minds of the judges to have some honesty and some integrity about them. If we're talking about a system where jurors are involved, those who have supposedly been vetted to some extent, we would expect them to sit on that jury with some kind of impartiality. We would expect of them to have some kind of honesty and integrity about them. And what we would expect of them, no doubt Solomon would have expected 
from those who were over the legal system or the court system in their day. It is just natural of us to want to expect that those who would be in a position such as that to be able to change the course of a person's life forever, we would naturally expect them to be honest, to have some integrity, to have some ethics and some morals about them. But notice what Solomon said of the place of judgment and the place of righteousness. He said that in the place of judgment that wickedness was there and of the place of righteousness that iniquity was there. Well, what is wickedness and iniquity? Well, it's ungodliness. It's sinfulness. It's unrighteousness. So what is he suggesting? He is suggesting this. That in their legal system and in their court system where you would expect there to be some honesty and some integrity, some morality and some ethics, though you would expect to find these things here, what he found was wickedness and iniquity. He found that in their legal system, he found that within their judicial system, there were those who did not rule according to the rule of law. There were those who did not handle things with honesty and integrity. There were those who would promote their own agenda, who would do things according to their own desires to maybe fit their own personal wants. Whatever it may be, here is what Solomon saw in verse number 16, he declared that what he saw was this, a judicial system and a legal system that was corrupt. Now you and I this morning, we would sit here and say, well, welcome to our world, Solomon. We're witnessing the same thing that you witnessed however many years ago you witnessed this. Though we have certain expectations on those in the legal system, we have seen over and over again that those in the legal system many times lack all the character that we hope to see in them. They lack the integrity. They lack the ethics. They lack the honesty. And, and we see it in our own culture, do we not? Those judges who like to legislate from the bench. And there are those judges who like to push a cultural agenda. I, I mean, we're seeing this all the time in our society, that our legal system is every bit as wicked and corrupt and unrighteous as the one that Solomon was looking at. This may not disturb you, but it should. It's disturbing. This reality should bother us. It should upset us to know that there are men and women who have the authority and the power to change the course of lives forever. And many times they do so not with the authority of the law behind them, but they do so with the authority that they have manipulated on their behalf. Now, as Solomon made this declaration in verse number 16, notice in verse number 17 what he said. He said in his heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. 
For there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. Now what is Solomon saying? He is saying in the last part of verse number 17, there's coming a day. There is coming a day when God is going to judge the wicked. You understand this? Here are those who sit in positions of authority in the legal system, in the judicial system, whatever spectrum you'd like to consider. Solomon said they're ungodly, they're unrighteous, they're full of iniquity, they are sinners, they do so not enforcing the true law. They are not men and women of character. And he said at some point, here's what you can know for sure, God is going to judge the wicked. They'll not get by with this forever. At some point, they will themselves stand before the judge. The true judge, God. God who is holy, God who is righteous, God who is sinless, God who is impartial, God who cannot be bought off. One day, Solomon says, as a statement of fact, These judges are going to be brought before God, and God is going to judge the wicked. And as I read that, and I think about it in our terms today, I think this is good news. Why is that good news to you, Brother Kyle? Because our legal system is a mess these days. All you have to do is look at those who have authority over us, and I don't want to be critical of all of them, but let's be honest, more times than not, what is passed down to you and I as the little peons isn't necessarily done on behalf of the authority of the law, but it's done on behalf of the one who can manipulate the system the best to their own liking. And so there are many times that what should be done is not done. What ought to be done is not enforced. There are so many times that that things reveal the corruption in our system. And there is a part of me that in my disappointment of all this, I say it is encouraging to know one day you'll stand before God. And then I do my little evil laugh (laughs) you'll stand before God for that one day the way that you manipulated the system, the way that you, you know, corrupted the system, the way that you passed laws, the way that you legislated, the way that you pushed social agendas you will be judged for that, I love it are any of you like me sometimes a bit vindictive? I look forward to the day when you have to stand before God because you'll discover you're not as great and powerful as you think you are. I take encouragement from such a truth. There's only one problem. As Solomon said in his heart, God will judge the wicked. He also said, God will judge the righteous. Who are the righteous? Well, the righteous are the ones who have been wronged. By all these corrupt authority figures in the society and in the culture. 
And it is true that one day God is going to judge the wicked, but there will also be a season and there will also be a time that those who deem themselves righteous will also stand before God the judge. Now, that may not scare us, that may not disturb us or upset us right now, but think about it. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Judge not, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. What goes around, comes around. The same standard, the same bar that you have set for everyone else, well, you know, you've declared yourself to be righteous. You know, you're one of those good, law-abiding, upright citizens. You're one of those people who never does anything wrong. Well, guess what? You're going to stand before God also, Solomon says, as a statement of fact. And what we need to do is consider Scripture with Scripture sometimes and remind ourselves that the same standard that we held them to is the standard, or at least by way of spirit and attitude, that we will be held to. Now, I like sometimes to remember how others will be judged. I give my little evil laugh, and it makes me feel oh so good. Because I'm okay. I may think that, until I stand in the presence of God who will take my life into account. And though my life will be judged according to the word of God, the same spirit that I held over others is a spirit that can also be held over me in that time of judgment. Now, by no means am I suggesting that Solomon was suggesting, that anyone in the Scripture was suggesting, that we then go through life without any measure of conviction, but something by way of statement of fact and then comparing other Scriptures with this Scripture, by way of doing this, it should prompt within us this spirit or this, this thinking that says, you know, there probably ought to be some measure of graciousness in this position that I hold to by way of expectations of those in authority over my life. It's not to say that our legal system isn't corrupt. It's not to say that, that our judicial system is not messed up. It's not to say that our governing body is not out of whack. It, it, listen, it is, and it's all those things. But even in stating that, you know what I need to be careful of? I need to be careful of my spirit and my attitude and my approach in declaring these things because what I 
so one day I will eventually reap. And it is so easy for me to sit back and be critical of this person and critical of this person and this person in our legal system or in our governing system because I would do things so much different when in reality what I need to show at least is a measure of grace and a measure of kindness and a measure of mercy because I can promise you this, there will come a day that I will want grace and I will want mercy, and I will want kindness, but if I never bothered giving it, I probably shouldn't expect to receive it. So there's Solomon, writing of the court system, writing of the legal system. He makes the declaration he makes, and we look at our culture, we look at our society, and we say, that's right. Okay, you're, you're right, I, I need to be more gracious in the attitude and the spirit that I have with those in authority over me, especially in the legal system. But let's think about it for a moment. How many of us on a daily basis have contact with the legal system? I'm thankful that I don't. Okay, I'm thankful that for the most part I get to lay low and not have much interaction with the courts and the judges and the powers that be. But there's a greater principle here. Because it's not just the courts and the governments who have rule over us. Many things in our lives have rule and authority over us, don't they? Many of us have bosses that exercise authority over us. Do they not? Some of us have customers who exercise authority over us. Some of us have spouses who exercise authority over us. Some have parents who exercise authority over us. Every one of us, to some extent, has authority figures in our lives. Now let's be honest. We have expectations over all these authority figures in our lives, don't we? You don't have to admit that, but it's true. You have expectations of them. You expect them to treat you a certain way. Talk to me in a certain way. Don't treat me like that. I, I expect you to treat me better than this. Would we agree? I, I expect you to, to treat me with respect, to treat me as an equal. Don't talk down to me. Just just talk to me like I'm a grown-up. I can handle that. We might say something like this. Hey, hey, treat me like you love me. Treat me like your spouse. Talk to me like we're actually partners in this marriage and not like we're business associates. Come on. I expect this from you. It's what we expect, whether we mean to or not. Now, with all these different authority structures or figures in our lives, with the expectations we hold over them, truth be told, many times we're disappointed in what we see come from them, aren't we? 
We don't like the way management is doing things. We don't like the way our supervisor is doing something. We don't like the way the spouse is doing something. We don't like the way that our parents are are executing their authority in our lives. We don't like this. And so because they're not doing things the way that we would like them to, we get very disappointed in them. And so then what tends to normally happen at that point? Well, kind of like our attitude toward the legal system sometimes, we tend to get a bit critical. Because we wouldn't do it that way if we were in that position. Well, if I was the boss, I wouldn't do it this way. If I was the manager, I wouldn't do it this way. If I was this person, I wouldn't do it this way. If my husband only knew what it felt like, I wouldn't do it this way. Well, if my parents knew what this felt like, it wouldn't happen this way. If my teachers understood what this felt like, they wouldn't do it this way. I wouldn't do it this way because I know how terrible it feels. Okay, I get it. We're disappointed and we're frustrated and we're bothered. Now now listen, as what happens so many times is, is we become critical and we become negative of these authority figures in our lives and sometimes if we're honest we look forward to the day when their day is coming you ever been there oh I look forward to the day that they get what they had coming to them There's coming a day that that boss is going to get this. There's coming a day when that supervisor is going to get this. There's coming a day when my husband is going to get this. There's coming a day when my parents will get this. Some of you may say, oh, there's coming a day when the pastor will get this because I wouldn't do things that way if I was a pastor. Whatever it may be, we sit there and we say something like this. Yeah, one day you'll answer to God for that. Am I the only one who's carried that spirit sometimes? I think some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, that there's just this joy and there's this sense of satisfaction that one day they're going to get it served to them and we hope we're there and we hope they have to eat every bit of it. Yeah, but see, it won't just be them that's judged by God. We'll stand before God also. We may not stand before God giving giving an account for the exact same thing, like for the legal system. I won't give an account for that, but I'll give an account for the authority that I had in my life that, that I had over other people or individuals or situations. And you'll give an account one day because God is going to judge the righteous just like He'll judge the wicked. God is going to judge us, we who think we do everything right, just like He's going to judge those that we know do everything wrong. And while we get excited about God's judgment on the wicked and God's judgment on the ungodly, we need to be reminded of this. That whatever we sow, we're going to reap. And to what we've held others to by way of a standard and with that kind of a spirit... That is the same way in which we'll be judged with the same kind of a spirit, not only by God necessarily, but by others who our lives have to come into contact with. You understand this, right? And so if I'm going to be judged by God, 
as well as those wicked, ungodly, crooked, unethical, immoral, whatever they may be kind of a person, if I'm going to be judged at the appropriate time like they will be judged, give an account for my life, then that ought to motivate me to hand out what I'll want to receive one day. To extend some grace when grace may not be what I want to extend. To extend some mercy when mercy may not be what I want to give right now. To extend maybe a portion of understanding when I don't want to be understanding. To give someone the benefit of the doubt when I don't want to give them the benefit of the doubt. You understand this? What seeds are planted at some point in the future, they will come to fruition. There's no question about it. There is no doubt about it. We will reap what we have sown. And we're going to get the same spirit directed at us that we gave to everyone else. And so if I am hypercritical, if I am hyper-negative about everybody else and what they have and what, what they do and how they exercise their authority, then I better be ready for that same spirit to be directed directed at me whenever I am called into judgment. It's interesting, isn't it, that so many times in dealing with others, we want it to be black and white, but yet when others are dealing with us, we want them to be understanding, and we want them to listen and to hear us out and to just see things from our perspective. Is there corruption? Is there iniquity? Is there unrighteousness? Well, yes, there is. Will they be judged for that? Yes, they will. And I'll be judged for mine. Because of that, it's wise of me to do unto others that I would have them do unto me. That I would try to have a similar spirit with this person that I would want this person to have with me. Let's be honest. All too often, we know how to give it out. We just don't want to receive it. And Solomon just reminded them as it related to the legal system... Yeah, it's crooked, and yes, it's corrupt, and, and yes, it's not what it's supposed to be, and yes, they'll be judged, but everyone who gets bent out of shape about it, just remember, you will be too. You will be judged also. Probably ought to keep that in mind, because it would sure help the attitude in your dealings with people, and you'll be so glad you sowed some kindness so that one day you get to reap the kindness rather than sowing the harshness and one day you get to reap the harshness. It's not always a fun cycle, but it can certainly work to our advantage if we manipulate the seeds that would work in our favor.
and we have that authority and we have that ability. Just be careful. Be cautious. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, I come to you this morning. I do pray that you'd help us to be men and women who are careful to not always rejoice in the judgment that others will receive. Lord, would you help us today to be men and women who recognize there is a judgment that's coming and that's for you to handle. There are times, there are occasions where we need to make judgments, but even at that we need to do so with the right spirit and the right attitude remembering that we too one day will stand before God and will be judged by you and before that there will be people who decide to judge us and there's a way in which we want to be treated God would you help us today to watch our attitude and to watch our spirit I pray these things in Jesus name Amen